The Gospel according to Mark chapter 9. Look with me if you would at verse 30 for the reading of God's holy word. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. He sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and he put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to stop him because he was not following us. And Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. This is God's holy word. Let let us go to the Lord and ask for his blessing upon our time. Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we approach your word, O Lord, we pray that the Spirit would open our eyes. Uh, Lord, that we may be renewed in the knowledge of our, our minds, that we may glory in Christ, that we may understand ourselves, O Lord, that we may understand uh, the deep recesses of our own hearts and that we may understand the majesty of Christ. O Lord, may we worship you this evening. May you fill us, Lord, with true food. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have not heard already, there is a big sporting event about to happen among the Chiefs. And the Eagles, the NFL, these two teams battling it out for the evening to find out who is the best of the best. They are going to, uh, Lord willing, come away with trophies, probably big rings, and new hats to don on their heads to try to make a name for themselves. But it seems... So trivial, doesn't it, as we think about those things uh, in light of our weeks, in light of the things going on in our lives, and you think, you know what, a few years, who will remember? Can you remember who won the Super Bowl four or five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? I don't know. I cannot, but um, as we think of such as a history of the human race, when we try to vie for spots at the top, whether it's a corporate ladder or a Pee Wee Football League, or who can eat the most hot dogs, or pizza, or catch the most fish, or hit a little white ball around a lush field and find out who is dominant. Um, Some of it seems so petty. But I think there's probably a spark in all of us as 
this does take different shapes and different sizes in our lives. As far as we think about wanting to be the greatest, we definitely want to be the best we can in our fields, whatever that is in light of Jesus Christ. But here we're going to see today, this evening is in Mark 9, Jesus is going to lead by example in shaping the hearts and the minds of the disciples to put on display what true greatness is and what it means to pursue greatness and what it means to have greatness in the kingdom of God. This is especially important for you tonight if you are a believer in Christ, if you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Christ. It's especially important for us tonight to be considering that in the way that we live, in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, uh, and especially in the way that we serve. And so tonight we're going to see in this text three episodes of greatness like Christ. Three episodes of greatness like Christ. And the first episode that we're going to see of greatness like Christ is that Christ Himself is the model. He is the model of what it means to be great. The second episode of we're going to see tonight in the greatness uh, like Christ is that it involves humility. It involves humility to serve the least. Humility to serve the least. And thirdly, we're going to see that the greatness uh, like Christ's episode is that you serve Christ. That's what it means to be great, is you serve Christ and His kingdom. Well, as we look at Mark chapter 9, verse 30, it says that uh, they went on from there and they passed through Galilee. And He did not want anyone to know, for He was teaching the disciples and He was Uh, Telling them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men. They will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. Um, It says the disciples did not understand the saying. They were were afraid to ask. Uh, Shocker, uh, number two, uh, this is the second time that the Lord Jesus has made this statement. Um, Back, if you recall, in Mark chapter 8. Uh, Jesus told these things to the disciples and they marveled again at what he had told them and that he was going to suffer many things. He was going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests. He was going to be killed and after three days he was going to rise. And he told them these things plainly. And he shares with them these things again after they have come off the mountain of transfiguration uh, there was an episode where Jesus um, comes upon his disciples trying to heal an unclean boy, and the disciples were not allowed, uh, were not able to do it because Jesus said these kind can only be driven out by prayer. Um, humiliating for the disciples, and Jesus reminds them of his mission. Jesus reminds him of. Uh, what he has come to do. Note he says there, uh, as he was teaching them, he did not any want them. Uh, he did not anyone. He did not want anyone to know. And he was teaching the disciples in homes and in houses. And as they were making their way through Galilee, he had already been in this region. And this was a time where he is he has his face set like flint. He is going on mission. He is going to the cross. He is going to Jerusalem to be rejected and to be crucified. And here he is foretelling 
what will happen and what is going to happen and how he is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And it's, it's, he is teaching these disciples this and he is bringing them alongside and he is preparing them for what will happen. Because if you recall, uh, even here as he, he calls himself the Son of Man, this is uh, Jesus' favorite designation of himself. Uh, this idea of, we've learned from Daniel chapter 7, uh, it not only has this connotations of the Son of Man from Ezekiel being uh, a Son of Man like God called Ezekiel, but um, also this particular special uh, title for Christ that is pointing to Him as the Messiah. And the disciples have seen Him through Mark forgive sins. They have seen Him walk on water. They have seen Him raise the dead. They have seen the deaf uh, be able to hear. They have seen Him rebuke the waves and the wind. They have seen Him walk on water. They have seen Him feed the 5,000. They have seen the Son of Man They have seen the fullness of that uh, even on the Mount of Transfiguration. And and they consider the Son of Man command evil spirits again and again and again. And in their minds, they're probably thinking, kingdom, rule. The Son of Man in Daniel is going to have everlasting dominion. He is the Davidic heir. He is the promised one. He is going to crush the Romans. Political dominance, everlasting dominion, earthly rule, even as we've seen this morning, um, does not last. And then in the midst of him saying that, he says, this son of man, what is going to happen to him? He's going to be delivered into the hands of evil men. They're going to kill him. This king, this one that they are with is going to die. Beloved, this, this would uh, cause them definitely to hesitate thinking that their followers, what does that mean for them? What does that mean if, if our king is going to die? What does that mean for us? It was terrified for them to even ask. But in this particular episode, we see the greatness of Christ. We see in this episode, Christ, he is our model. He is the very one that is doing uh, the example of laying his life down for these disciples. Jesus is coming to redeem not only the slaves, but he is coming to redeem the insurgents. He is coming to redeem the ungodly. He is coming to redeem those who are not worthy of him. He is coming to redeem not only his disciples, He's coming to redeem the Gentiles. He's coming. He's foretelling that. To redeem those who would grow up in Chattanooga and Rossville and Trenton and Flintstone. Even those on Lookout Mountain. Jesus is walking the steps toward Golgotha to die. For who? For these disciples? They're about to start arguing and fighting over who is the greatest among them. Who do they think they are? And Christ is the one who has picked these men. Jesus came to serve the lowest. Beloved, 
Jesus has come to serve and give His life as a ransom for you. You and I are the lowest. He has come to die for us. He has modeled what it means to uh, be great. He is the greatest. And He has modeled that for us. This, this is meant to stir us throughout all this text. It is meant to humble us. It is meant to humble the disciples. Um, he's giving His life up. They don't understand these things and <laughs> they're afraid to even ask. Remember when, when He had first said this in, in Mark chapter 9, Peter draws him aside and says, May it never be, Lord. And he gets openly rebuked by the Lord. And you can imagine this, this time too, they're like, we've seen him rebuke Peter. And so they don't know what to do about this. It's foretelling his coming demise, which we know is a culmination at the cross. It is not something for us uh, to... It is not something for us to do in that we lay our lives down that we might redeem anyone. But the Scriptures often, uh, as I preach through 1 John, it says that you know, as we love one another, greater love ha- has no one than this, right? That He lay His life down for His friends. He says we are to lay our lives down for one another. Think of that, Beloved. Are you prepared to lay your life down for that other person here? Uh, as the disciples are left uh, speechless, they don't understand Christ's mission. But He has told them already. He has told them the second time. He's going to tell them again. He's preparing their hearts to see Him nailed to the cross. They're getting a picture of what it means to be humble. They're getting a picture of what it means to serve. And, and He is teaching them not only by example, but He's going to teach them through redemption. This brings us to our uh, second point of the text. The first one is that Christ Himself is our model. This, the second point this episode that we're going to see of the greatness like Christ, it involves humility to serve the least. Humility to serve the least. Look with me at verse 33. It says, They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? And they kept silent because they were arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Beloved, isn't this sad? Isn't this shocking? He just tells them he's going to lay his life down for them and be executed. He's going to be killed. And after three days, he would rise and you you got to think, who are these men? Who are they? Yes, they're with Jesus, but this is a, a ragtag group. These are fishermen. One of them is a publican. One of them is a zealot. Who do they think they are? Vying back and forth? Can you imagine Christ overhearing them? And they're talking about who is the greatest. Now I know that 
If you recall in, in, in Mark 9, Peter, James, and John were just on the mountain. They had seen the transfiguration of Christ. They had seen His majesty and His glory, and they weren't supposed to tell. But in their heart, is probably pride began to well up. And as they're talking about who might be the greatest, and Peter, James, and John is like, we have an ace in the hole, but we can't tell you what it is. But trust me, we are the best. We did go up on the mountain with him. We can't tell you what happened, but you know. And just like Jesus rebuked Peter for denying him going to the cross, and he says, You are setting your mind on the things of man and not on the things that are of God. Even here, right after, they're vying, they're fighting, they're wrestling about who is the greatest. Who is the best? They didn't understand Jesus' mission, not only leading to death, but they're seeking the best spot. They're seeking uh, that, that highest seat of honor. Who would be the greatest? How easily their minds go to glory, power, wealth, fame. I want to rule. I want to make a name for myself. I want everyone to know that I am awesome. Do you think that the disciples had any enemies? Do you think that they had personal brushes with the Roman army that they thought, you just wait until we get in power? I mean, John and James, right? The sons of thunder. They want to call down lightning on someone. <laughs> they, they, want, they want to, in one sense, use their power in a personal way. Beloved, I got a chance to serve on an Indian reservation with the church, uh, just a short little stint over the weekend, and we were there, we were telling all these children on the res, we got to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as we were there, we, we, we were around this group, and we asked one of the girls, we, we asked him just point blank, who do you say is the best and the greatest? And we let a pause and we were kind of expecting to say, say Jesus, you know. And um, she thought long and hard and she was kind of looking around and she said, the president? And all of us were like, oh, that's not really what we were expecting. We would say, that's no. And, and the girl sitting right next to her, she dropped her head like this and she smiled and she wagged her head and the guy leading the study, he said, what were you shaking your head about? And she sheepishly looked around and she said, well, I wanted her to say I was the best and the greatest. And we were like, that's perfect. Me too. That's what we want. And that's what the human heart wants to do. And so even as we see the disciples here, it's easy for us to look at them and want to scathingly rebuke them, right? But isn't it a warning shot to us to consider their pride among the disciples? How did they have any pride? What did they actually have? Prideful superiority among God's soon-to-be apostles. Wow. How shameful, right? You think, boy... Jesus, did you really pick the right 12 guys? C.S. Lewis 
has a comment here. He, he says that pride leads to every other vice. He says it is the complete anti-God state of the mind. Think of that. Pride. The complete anti-God state of the mind. You know the most dangerous thing about pride is it is blinding. You don't see it. Somebody asks you if you're prideful and you're like, I don't think so. But isn't that what you would say if you're prideful? Oh. How about us? Does God need us to accomplish His will? Does God need us? No. He doesn't need us at all. Oh, do we want to be instruments used by Him for His purposes, for His glory among our family, among our friends, among our coworkers? Absolutely. His hand to bring about His purposes, to spread His kingdom through our efforts? Praise God. That's what we long for, right? Like, Lord, just use me any way that you can, any way that you wish, right? What a warning shot, though, that we too should be on our guard, lest our hearts be deceived by the devil, for temptations abound. Temptations abound not only in our own hearts, but in ministry. He's already told them that if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow after me, you need to deny yourself. You need to die to yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Come after me. In Proverbs 8.3 it says, The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. It says, Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. you got to think as Jesus comes to this point, he asks them what they're discussing on the way. And then he has them sit down. Here comes the rabbi. He's going he's gonna to blast us all. And oh, he had every right to do that, didn't he? But gently, he teaches them what it looks like to be the greatest. He needs to get into their minds what it means to be the greatest. As he sits him down, he says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all. He must be servant of all. He must be servant of all. Last of all. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. This is uh, quite sobering in the times that we live in. Jesus after saying that, he, he, he grabs a child, one who uh, back then and during their day was not one that was considered uh, of high dignity, and he puts him in the midst of them. He says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Him who sent me. He's just, see what he's done here? He's just elevated this child above the disciples. He said, you need to be like this child. This, this child in my name. So as we, as we think of 
what it means to be great like Christ. Beloved, we are laid low and it, it involves humility to serve the least. Humility to serve the least. I want to I ask you, is there, is there anyone that you're not willing to serve? Have you ever considered that? Have you ever looked around and maybe thought, oh, I don't want to serve this person? I've gone several times to the Dominican Republic um, serving boys that were there off the street. There's always several people who were really eager to go and they couldn't wait to take on this trip because it was going to be free. They get to go to the Dominican. It was beautiful. And they get to really invest in these young men's lives and try to practice their Spanish. And then we would come back to our local body. There was no service among the local body. There was no enthusiasm to serve anyone among the body, among a few of them. Beloved, this should not be that way. We should be willing to serve. We should be willing to serve the least of all. It's sobering, isn't it? Um, it's, it's so heavy, I think, even among the disciples that the Apostle John, he doesn't know what to do. Look what he says in verse 38. He says, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to stop him because he was not following us. Um, Jesus says, Do not stop him for no one does a mighty work in my name will soon afterward be able to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For I, t- I tell you that whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Jesus here, we see in this third episode that greatness like Christ, it means that you serve Christ in his kingdom. So uh, for us, as we think about that, this particular person was not in the, in the circle of Christ. Uh, he, he was, it looked like, on a different team. He was maybe outside their private circle. And Jesus says, leave him alone. But if, if we remember what's going on here, this person is casting out demons. And it's like the disciples don't even get it. He's already told them that they need to be humble. They need to be like this little child. They've already talked about who is the greatest. And here, John, you could, you could hear the tones. This person was able to cast out demons in your name. We told him to stop. Just before, after they had come down the mountain, the disciples were not able to cast out this demon out of the boy. They were embarrassed. And here is this person, not even among the group of the disciples, and he's able to do something they were not able to do. You can hear this hint of probably pride, probably jealousy coming out, saying, we told this guy to stop doing that. He's not among us. He's not in our group. And Jesus here, I think He is teaching that if you're serving Christ, if you're serving Him, if you're serving 
Christ, you're serving his kingdom. Even though you may be outside of their particular group. Beloved, if you're serving Christ, you're on the same team. If you're in allegiance to Christ, it doesn't matter if you're in another local church somewhere else, another part of the world. If you're serving the name of the Lord, this person was quietly serving the Lord He didn't have all the accolades of we're with the apostles, we're with the disciples, we're with Jesus. But he was quietly serving the Lord in another group. Beloved, as we think about these things, you will never be great like Christ if you're doing great things, if you're trying to do these things in your own efforts. If you're trying to do all these things and serve apart from faith in Christ, you will never be great. Because ultimately you'll be doing it for your own heart. The Lord Jesus calls us and He tells us that He came to give His life. Uh, what does He say in Mark 10.45? says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. You see, we need Jesus Christ to be saved from our sins. We need Him to lay down His life and be killed for us, bearing our guilt, bearing our shame, so that He could be the all-glorious, perfect substitute. The perfect substitute for our sins. Beloved, if you're believing in Christ, It is only in Christ and through Him that we have the power and the ability to consider others as more important than ourselves. That that we can come alongside and serve others. And the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of what Christ has done for sinners, it, it levels the playing field. It makes this declaration that there is none righteous. No, not one. That all are in a sinful condition before God. And it truly brings us to a place of utter humiliation where all that you can do is look up to God and say, God, have mercy on me and confess that you are not good enough on your own and that you need the Savior to save you. That you need Jesus to accomplish your salvation. Your great King. Have faith in Him. Jesus says to receive a person who is the least is to receive Christ. Beloved, do you know as Christians, we are called uh, to compete? Do you believe that? Of all the things I just said, do you know that we're called to compete? The Apostle Paul He says in Romans 12 that we are to outdo one another in showing honor. you believe that? We are to outdo one another in showing honor. And that we are to let our love for one another be genuine. To be from the heart. To serve. To be selfless. To be like Christ. To be patient like Christ is patient. To love like Christ is loves to forgive like Christ forgives. Often I will warn you that this is 
This is not publicly rewarded. This is usually unseen by others. But you can rest in the hope and the glory and the kindness that our Heavenly Father sees what is done in secret. And we are serving Him. And we are called to serve Him with our lives. The greatness of our Savior. What we want to do is serve Him because He is great and mighty. And He has done all the work for us um, that we may have everlasting life. That we may serve Him and be models and pictures of Christ as we live our lives among our neighbors and our friends and our family. Let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Oh Lord, as, as we think about Your Holy Word and the way that it feeds our hearts, Lord, it doesn't feed our pride at all, but it is so pride-crushing. Lord, it is so driving us to the end of ourselves. Lord, the disciples learned these lessons. And Lord, as we think about serving Christ, Lord, we want to be great like Christ. Not that we can be and make a name for ourselves. Oh, but God, that You may receive all the glory, that we may take our crowns off before Your throne and throw them down and say, You are worthy of all glory and honor and might and majesty and wealth and blessing and worship, Lord. Oh, Lord, we worship You even this evening and we thank You for Your glorious majesty. We thank You that Christ has done for us what we could never do and not only redemptively, but also giving us an example to serve, serve one another. Lord, help us to do that and to lay our lives down for the, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to lay our lives down as an example to our neighbors, to serve them in love and kindness and faithfulness. Father, it's only by your power that we can do these things. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.